I'm Sienna. I'm the kid. I'm Sarah. I'm the mom. This is Queer Kids Straight Mom. Let's talk. Welcome back to Queer Kids Straight Mom. Today, we are going to talk about Target, what the right wing means when they say protect our kids, and what it really means to protect our kids. So the Target situation, I think most people have heard of something, I don't know how much detail, but basically they received all this backlash for their Pride collection, which they have put out for Pride Month for years and years and years. But this year, apparently it was really offensive to people. And they ended up pulling some of their Pride merchandise, citing the safety of their employees because there had been threats. And they're very mixed feelings about that among the LGBTQ community, feeling that Target should have stuck up for them and not caved to this behavior. Yeah, I don't know that I would say mixed feelings. I would say disappointment and vindication because I, I think a lot of people were very happy with Target because they had collaborated with like actual queer artists and queer designers. And like, that's exactly what you want. If people are going to be capitalizing off of something like Pride, then they should be working to ensure that that capitalizing benefits the people who this holiday is supposedly celebrating. And yet one of the artists whose work was removed from the Pride collection was a transgender man who operates out of the UK and happens to also make Satan-themed artwork unrelated to the items that were sold at Target. But it was one of the things that conservatives were flipping out about like, oh, you're selling Satanism to children. It's evidence of the devil's agenda or whatever. So that is who Target decided to put on the chopping block, which I think then made a lot of queer people feel like, oh, so you're behind us as long as you can get a profit, but not as soon as it becomes inconvenient for you. Which I think is fair. That's completely fair. I think my only, I don't know, we disagreed about this. We can continue to disagree about it. I think that's completely fair. I just can see their perspective a little bit that like, we don't want to give them any ammunition for their stuff. So if this particular artist is going to give them something they can use, and maybe they should have vetted that more carefully beforehand, if that was going to be something they were worried about, but yeah, well, my question is, do they vet every single artist they ever work with Probably. to make sure that they don't ever draw Satan or ever draw like weed or ever draw anything that anyone could construe as mildly offensive? Because yeah, to me, this seems like a massive double standard. Fair enough. So not satisfied with going after Target, which, you know, there are all these videos out there of people like destroying pride displays at Target and just throwing giant tantrums. Don't look it up. It's funny until it's not. And then you're just really sad. <laughs> the anti-LGBT crowd also went after the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, also referred to as GLSEN, whom Target partners with. They've partnered for 12 years, but once again, this year it became a really big deal to the right-wing crowd, and GLSEN has been the target of hate messages and threats of violence to their staff. So I looked this up. The right wing slant on this is that Glisten, because they're an educational group, are like, you know, pushing their agenda in the schools and like brainwashing kids and grooming and all of those words they like to throw around. So according to Fox News, here are some of 
the transgressions that they found really offensive. Glisten calls for gender ideology to be integrated into all classes, even math. It provides educators instructions on how they can make math more inclusive of trans and non-binary identities by including they, them pronouns in word problems. Shocking. Glisten recommended that teachers intervene if students are making graphs about sex and gender to ensure it includes, these are Fox's words, not mine, the ideology supported by Glisten. When students are creating their own surveys, if they want to include data for biological sex, teachers need to be sure they include both intersex and other as choices. PSA, if you are advocating for ignoring the existence of intersex people and saying, no, there's male and female, that's how it's always been. That is a gender ideology. Like, that's that's your gender ideology. You two are advocating for gender ideology. But that's their happy, comfortable ideology. And lastly, they were offended by a lesson plan for elementary school kids that says, begin the lesson by telling students today we'll be talking about identity, which is a big word that has to do with who we are and all the things that make us unique and special. There are lots of different pieces that fit together to make up our identity. Insert slasher music here. (laughs) (laughs) This was enough to create like so much backlash against Glisten. Like I said, they were getting threats to their staff members and it's just been off the rails. The National Education Association and American Federation of Teachers have both stated their support for Glisten because they're not a fringe group. They've been working with schools for a long time. Their policies align with practices that are promoted by the National Association of School Psychologists, the American Psychological Association and Teaching Tolerance, which is a Southern Poverty Law Center project. These organizations all urge schools and school staffs to respect students' right to privacy regarding their sexual orientation and gender identity and promote school policies that prohibit disclosure of such information to anyone without students' permission. This whole keeping that information private is a key point that has infuriated the right because schools are pushing this ideology on their kids and keeping secrets from the parents. You know, the whole parents' right movement that like got momentum during COVID, it all dovetails into this like fury. So the rhetoric that's being used when it comes to these attacks on Target and Glisten is focused on quote unquote grooming, which is a big trigger word in right-wing circles right now. So I do want to just point something out here again to your point about like, well, you needed to vet people more carefully and like not have anything that could be construed as a problem. But I mean, what this shows us is that conservatives are now flipping out over Glisten, which is a group that, yeah, like you pointed out, Target has been working with for years and lots of companies have been working with for years. So it's it's sort of a respectability politics thing where it's not actually about the artists and they're going to find something to throw a tantrum about regardless. So like one example is a lot of people have been absolutely flipping out because Target had some swimsuits that were designed to have gender affirming effects. And they were like, it's children's swimsuits. And it wasn't. It was adult swimsuits. So if they can't find something quote unquote legitimate, they're just going to make something up. It's not actually about whether there's anything legitimate or quasi-legitimate to get mad about. It's that there's this cultural thing going on right now where they are looking for any reason, real or imagined, to attack queer people, specifically trans people, and only partnering with the most palatable, respectable, sanitized queer artists out there isn't going to change that. Well, that is true. That is one of the key points of today's conversation. 
that no matter what it is, they'll find something. Mm -hmm. And that most of this is not grounded in any kind of reality. So you see all these signs that say, protect our kids. And protecting kids has always motivated people. And, you know, plenty of times it's been a political talking point. But we've seen the right really ramp up this idea in recent years that kids are in grave danger from liberalism. The focus has shifted to culture wars instead of policy issues as far as like getting people fired up to support their party. In my biased opinion, it's because they have a slipping grasp on the moral superiority they've always claimed. Because it's hard to say that you're on the moral high ground when you support a cruel, corrupt leader or throw refugees around the country like game pieces. I think some of the grooming and protect our kids comes from, no, we're still the party of family values. But what's happening is there are real serious issues, child sexual abuse, and say like the learning setbacks that kids, some kids experienced during the pandemic. Like those are real issues, but they've become chess moves, checkers moves, maybe chesses, maybe too sophisticated. Fish moves, <laughs> go fish moves with at-risk kids as pawns, which is hard to watch. So protect our kids. Let's take this tagline. We can all agree that protecting our kids is incredibly important. Since you know, I know, that rainbow onesies at Target and encouraging inclusive language at school are not actual threats to children, let's talk about some things that are. I think it has been in the news a lot in 2020, gun violence, and that includes homicide and suicide, past car accidents as the leading cause of death for kids. And that's kids age one through 18. Infants have a lot of their own particular issues. I'm linking to a New York Times article that just breaks down the statistics really comprehensively. They have multiple sources, primarily the CDC, but some other studies that are cited in there. There were some really good graphics that show a lot of what's been going on. For example, gun deaths increased by 74% in kids nine and under between 2019 and 2021. For adolescents age 10 to 14, Firearm suicide rate in 2020 was a 31% increase from 2019, 31% increase in a year. This is a big problem. It's not one that most people on the right really want to talk about, or I guess sometimes they do want to talk about it, but not maybe in a productive, let's do something about the guns way. So let's look at gun violence and lump it in with crime, crime in general, right? The things that are unsafe for our kids. Since law and order is also a popular tagline. Until you're taking over the U.S. Capitol. Right. So let's say we like really want to protect our kids from, from violence and crime. What are the things that are helpful in doing that? One is investing in public schools. A May 2022 study from the University of Michigan indicates increases in public school funding early in children's lives reduces their odds of committing crimes later. A likely reason for the observed reduction in adult arrests is that students in better funded schools had better academic and behavioral outcomes and higher educational attainment. The reductions in adult crime alone generate social savings that exceed the costs to the government of increasing school funding. Funding public schools is not generally a popular proposition among the Protect Our Kids crowd. In fact, in Oklahoma, guess what the government just approved? The first federally funded Catholic charter school, which is a blatant violation of church and state, but no one seems concerned about that. I wouldn't <laughs> say no one seems concerned about that. I think people might be lining up to file lawsuits. <laughs> but yeah, public schools, not high on the priorities of funding, but really high 
in effectively dealing with the violence issues that affect our kids. I read an advanced copy of a book recently by an author named Kai Cheng Tom, who is a transgender Asian American woman. She just wrote a book. It's really good. It's called Falling Back in Love with Being Human, and everyone should go read it as soon as it comes out in August. But the point is, I have also been following her on social media, and she recently posted a graphic about her ideas as far as affecting social change. And she broke things up into two categories. There's control-oriented problem-solving, power logic, and then there's compassion-oriented problem-solving, compassion logic. And her point was that you solve social problems by solving underlying problems, not by locking more people up or putting more police on the street. You solve social problems by giving people access to the resources they need. And education is so incredibly important when it comes to giving people those resources. I mean, for so many kids, you know, it provides a source of steady food. It provides a source of social support. It provides security and routine. And a lot of those things, like free school lunches and, you know, kids feeling safe to share private information at school. Those are the things that Republicans are actively targeting in state and federal legislatures. And so, yeah, they're actively undermining this incredibly important compassion-oriented problem-solving strategy in favor of control-oriented problem-solving strategies like just throwing more SROs in schools because that's going to solve all the problems. Anyway, go check her out. She's really cool. Yeah. Sounds good. We can put that on the website too. Gun control. It's another way of dealing with violent crime. The Brennan Center for Justice in their research has concluded evidence for a connection between weakened gun control laws and violence continues to mount. In a recent review of hundreds of scientific studies, the RAND Corporation summarized the state of research on gun violence prevention. On concealed carry, they found supportive evidence that shall issue laws which require licensing authorities to grant a concealed carry permit if the applicant satisfies basic criteria, increase the incidence of firearm homicides and homicides overall. But in a June 2022 decision, the Supreme Court further undermined the ability of states to regulate the carrying of guns within their borders. So again, working against the actual things that can protect our kids. And then social services and safety nets. Social programs designed to cut poverty can be part of the solution. They've been proven to reduce crime and incarceration. There are studies showing that Medicaid expansion through the Affordable Care Act, which increased access to health insurance for lower-income people, reduced arrest rates as well as recidivism among people who had been to prison multiple times. By contrast, restricting benefits like disability income seems to increase crime and incarceration. These social safety nets that liberals tend to support, conservatives tend to cast aside in favor of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, these reduce crime. And so if we're really worried about keeping our kids safe, those are important things. And I know that some of the cases that the right makes for reducing crime do count. Having a stable family unit at home, of course, gives you a better chance of not ending up committing crimes. But we can't control that. Circumstances happen. These are tangible steps that we can take. You know what promotes having a more stable family life? Not outing kids to their parents. Good point. Good point. In my research of 
leading causes of death for kids. Once you remove homicide, suicide, and accidents, you're left, and this was specifically kids aged 0 to 14, you're left with cancer and for infants, congenital malformations, deformations, and chromosomal abnormalities. Meanwhile, there are various medical journal articles showing that harmful effects of exposure to air pollution during pregnancy have shown higher infant mortality, lower birth weight, impaired lung development, increased later respiratory morbidity, and early alterations in immune development. Other research shows that air pollution may indirectly harm lung development by causing low birth weight, early birth, or improper immune system development. The health implications of this exposure are especially important as air pollution during the prenatal period may interfere with organ development and organogenesis. According to a study from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, the greater the maternal exposure to air pollution, the more likely the pregnant women suffered from a condition called intrauterine inflammation which can increase the risk of a number of health problems for her child from the fetal stage well into childhood. PSA, that was a quote. We acknowledge that not only women are pregnant. Thank you. According to the study's senior author, Xiaobeng Wang, 20 years ago, we showed that high levels of air pollution led to poor pregnancy outcomes, including premature births. Now we are showing that even small amounts of air pollution appear to have biological effects at the cellular level in pregnant women. So there's a pretty good case to be made that a lot of the cases of cancer and congenital defects and things like that could be linked to air pollution. That is another threat to our kids. And I think not only do people not consider it, but if you said, oh, environmental issues are a risk to our kids, a lot of people would roll their eyes. Mm -hmm. Like you're just now you're just stretching. Yeah. And I mean, to add to all of that, the New York Times has been doing some really good reporting on um, air pollution because of the Canadian wildfires that have been making the air quality so bad on the East Coast. But the air quality that they've been experiencing on the East Coast is actually par for the course for a lot of cities around the world, especially in Southeast Asia, for example, where people are living like that every day and often without, you know, access to resources to mitigate the harmful effects. I don't remember all of the statistics off the top of my head, but they, yeah, they had some some research showing that air pollution is responsible for like a multi-year decrease in life expectancy and that it is responsible for, like you mentioned, a huge proportion of all sorts of conditions from cancer to lung disease to heart disease. And it's just not a thing that I have really ever heard any Republicans act concerned about outside of maybe some local Republicans in Salt Lake City, because, you know, Salt Lake has had some issues with that. But yeah, it's like you said, it would totally be like, oh, you're just trying to come up with other things. No, it's it's like a massive, massive problem. And I think because we're accustomed to having better air quality here in the US, we don't think about it, but it is real and it is killing people around the world and it's killing a lot of people around the world. And yet protect our kids means no rainbow books. Right. Makes sense. Total sense. The last thing I know, I am dumping a ton of information out there today, but found this stuff really interesting. Sexual abuse is a legitimate concern. According to the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, one in nine girls and one in 20 boys under the age of 18 experience sexual abuse or assault. That's a lot of people. Also important to note that those numbers are actually likely undercounted, especially among boys who are often taught that they can't be the victim of sexual assault 
and children across the board, especially when there are efforts to reduce access to sex education, often don't have the language or understanding to realize that they have been abused. Right. So big problem. The right is not wrong. This is a big problem. What they're wrong about is who is responsible for this abuse. Of the cases of child sexual abuse reported, and like Sienna said, vastly underreported probably, as many as 93% are by people known to the victim. And those cases are actually the ones that are more likely to be underreported. We have a habit in our culture of you know, really taking agency away from kids when it comes to their relatives and telling them, no, you have to give your uncle a hug, even if you don't want to, because you have to be nice and not taking kids seriously when they express discomfort with how they're being told to use their body. Those cases are the most common and they're also the most insidious. And that leads me into ways that you can protect your kids. Obviously, no foolproof ways to prevent this, but there are things you can do. Learn warning signs and pay attention. Be involved with your kids' lives. Get to know the people they spend time with, including other parents and kids, coaches, teachers, church leaders, Sunday school teachers, camp counselors, etc. Choose babysitters carefully. Talk about cases that are in the media. Did you see this thing that happened? How, what would you do if you were in that situation? Encourage your kids to be open and honest. To set boundaries, which is what you were saying. Like you never have to have physical contact with somebody that you don't want to have physical contact with. And teach your kids to feel comfortable talking about their bodies. There's so much like, oh, we don't talk about that. We don't mention that. But that makes it so kids don't have the language to explain something that has happened to them. Yeah. And, you know, in an honest way, too, a lot of times... I guess it makes parents more comfortable to like give, you know, genitals a, like a cutesy nickname that might make you more comfortable, but it's not actually more helpful for kids. Yeah, exactly. As for these accusations that members of the LGBTQ plus community are pedophiles, and that has been used for decades as is the practice of demonizing marginalized communities, there is no evidence that they are more likely to commit child sex abuse. There's a great summary of some of this research on the Zero Abuse Project's website, which I will link to. So check that out. I'm not going to read all of it. Basically, there's just no evidence. Like if you hear someone saying that, you just shut it down. There is no evidence to support it. And anytime someone is accusing queer people of being pedophiles or anything like that, it is homophobia and transphobia and literally nothing else. And if they have seen a link between being LGBTQ+, and sexual abuse in the news and skimmed over it. The only link is that LGBTQ plus people are more likely to be victims. Yes. Queer women, for instance, are much more likely to face this thing called corrective rape, which is the idea that, oh, if you have sex with a man, you won't be gay anymore. Similar thing can happen with trans people. Yeah, we're much more likely to be the victim than the perpetrator. Yeah. And as far as this idea that talking about these things in school is going to make your kids gay, experts have found no evidence of that. That's not a thing. As one of my favorite Instagrammers likes to say, I watched loads of Disney movies growing up and they didn't make me straight. Yep. The reason we have seen an increase in openly gay and transgender kids is because there is more of a safe environment to talk about it. 
Fun fact, we also saw a massive increase in the number of left-handed people after we stopped telling them that they were the devil and beating them. That's true. People are who they are. Learning that there is more than one way to be does not make you a different way. Experts also warn that misusing the term grooming as is being done, saying that having a rainbow onesie is somehow grooming kids to become gay or sexual in some way can be really harmful because it's moving the conversation away from what grooming actually is and might make it go undetected more often because if people don't understand what it is, they don't know what they're looking for. They don't know the behaviors that people they know might actually be exhibiting toward their kids because they're like, oh, well, he's straight. Must be fine. So that wraps up my lecture on what some real threats to our kids are and what we can do about them. And if people aren't talking about these kinds of solutions, protecting our kids is not actually what they're reaching for. I mean, yeah, you're looking at me expectantly. That's that's basically it. Just just stop. <laughs> I thought you might have something to add. No, that's it. That's all there is to say. I will put links to these articles I've mentioned, all of the research that I've cited on the website, should anybody actually want to go look up all these details. Wow. Imagine wanting to read actual evidence instead of just throwing around terms. What a concept. We believe in our listeners. And so we are posting that information for you because we like facts here at Queer Kids Straight Mom. More specifically, we like being able to bomb people over the head with facts. Mm, it's a powerful weapon, except they usually don't <clears throat> notice. But anyway, as always, we welcome conversation, thoughts, concerns, anything you want to add, or questions that you might have about this conversation, or good ways to respond when people make those kinds of allegations. You know, it's just good to have that information to say, you know, that's actually not true. There is no evidence supporting that. And that's part of what we're trying to do here is give you some of those examples and talking points and rebuttals. Anything else from you, Sienna? Nope. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in. Next time we are going to do a summary of this legislative session that recently ended. As most of you know, it has been pretty brutal for the LGBTQ plus community, also known as all the ways Republicans say they're trying to protect children and none of the ways that they actually are. It does kind of tie in nicely, doesn't it? Aww. There's there's a flow to this. Um, tune in for that. Until then, take care. Catch you next time. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, interesting, or just mildly amusing, please consider rating and reviewing us on your podcasting platform of choice. It really helps us to get the word out there and spread this information as far as we can. And as always, check out our website at QueerKidsStraightMom.com or visit us on Facebook, QueerKidsStraightMom, Instagram at QueerKid.StraightMom or Twitter at QueerKidSTR, the number eight, mom. And if you're feeling especially generous, please consider joining our Patreon by searching Queer Kids Straight Mom. It helps us fund this podcast.